From Bite Size Irish Gaelic. Welcome to episode number 15, Ever a Cuig Jag, of the Bite Size Irish Gaelic podcast. Even if you're alone learning to speak Irish outside of Ireland, don't despair. Rest assured that there are thousands like you across the globe, all interested in tapping into Ireland's native culture. And for all about this podcast, you can go to bitesizeirishgaelic.com forward slash podcast. And today I am joined by a very special guest who is Brian O'Casig or Brian Casey. Avrian, do you Yes, I do. 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 Enjoying the springtime here in Ireland. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, Agus Avrian, um, Aber Kawil Kony Ert? Um, it's all America, me. Ach, Tome Makoni, e Kushlan the Wari inish. Mm, Kushlan the Wari, e Gunde Wio. Sha, e Gunde Wio. So, County Mayo. So, Brian just said he's from the States, America, but he's living in Castlebar, as it's otherwise known in County Mayo. So I wanted to talk with Brian because he's got a really interesting case that he grew up in the States, I'm presuming, and moved right on over with his family to Ireland. So we'll delve into some of those things. Really interesting, his story. I just wanted to mention before we get started that Corey over at the Irish Fireside podcast, he interviewed me in number 136. And Corey's got a really nice podcast, really gives a lovely feeling of Ireland. Um, so I suggest that if you enjoyed this podcast, that if you're listening, uh, find him on iTunes or irishfireside.com. And you can subscribe to the podcast and have listened to some of the episodes. So, Brian, I did have a question, coincidentally, that came in from Janet. And I won't read out her surname. What she said in the email was, I spent three weeks in Ireland in 1976 and have been trying to get back since. I feel like I need to come home, like Liam Hughes said in one of our previous podcast episodes, Home to Ireland. I'm seriously planning to move there. Owen, can you give me some info on how to pull that off? And so, Janet, we'll be covering your question um, as the episode goes on with Brian. So, Brian, like, let's step back a bit, right? Let's start from the beginning. Right. So, sure. Um, you grew up in the States somewhere, did you? I did. Um, I moved around a bit, lived my childhood in Southern California, not far from Los Angeles. Nice. Most of my life... I lived in um, Pensacola, Florida, and after I was married, uh, really the last uh, 11 years before I left, uh, we lived in Texas. Hmm. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> you're living in Ireland. Um, did the weather hit, <laughs> hit you uh, <laughs> after living in those nice uh, sunny climes before? Uh, a big difference, uh, but a good one. I've always liked colder weather in spite of... Every climate I've ever lived in was hot. <laughs> uh, 
the change was very pleasant. We left Texas on the 1st of September. It was 39 degrees. Well, that's uh, Celsius. And we got here. We landed in Dublin. It was 15. uh, And I loved it. And of course, the winter has been uh, cold, comparatively cold. We've had a few snow days uh, here in Castle Bar. But you actually know that it is winter. The rain was expected. That was no shock. I knew we'd get rain. (laughs) And uh, no worries there. But it's really been a very pleasant change. I've always lived in hot climates to where even December, January, um, 25, 26 degrees is not uncommon Celsius. And um, it's been a good one. I have people ask me that. So, yeah, but are you liking the weather? I'm loving the weather. So... (laughs) Lovely soft weather. Yes. And uh, just in Fahrenheit, like approximately 15 Celsius, what would that be, Brian? Can you do that in your head? I'm still learning, but uh, now see upper 30s, around 40, that's near 100 degrees plus uh, Fahrenheit. And you get around 15, I want to say that's um, probably about 55, 56 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a lovely soft day. We're only hitting those temperatures and there was promise today, uh, we're recording this in early March, of a 15 degrees Celsius day. So I'm not sure if we hit that, but we had some lovely sunshine today. Did you, was it a sunny day in Mayo? Yes, yes it was. It was a very nice day today. So like uh, jumping back to the States, I'm interested to hear I mean, you obviously have some love for Ireland. Like, how did that come about? And like, was it an Irish family kind of setting that you grew up in? Uh, yes. Irish, of course, from heritage. Not Irish such as you, you are or the locals that live here. But my Casey's came out of Kerry uh, towards the end of the hunger and came over to the States. And even as removed as I was from those that came over, the stories came down and even some of my youngest memories, uh, my sister and I would sit and my dad would tell us tales of Ireland and we were listening to traditional music at a very early age and we would sing these little Irish songs like duets, my sister and I, and uh, as I got older, St. Patrick's Day would roll around and somebody would start a tune and I would join right in and people, how do you know all these? I said, oh, I've been singing them all my life. And really, it was just, uh, there weren't any Irish families around us other than all the Casey's that were there in California would have similar stories or something they remembered from their grandfather or great-grandfather, something about Ireland. And these stories just circulated amongst our family. And I grew up with them Mm. and had a love for all things Irish, really, from from my youth. And uh, just for example, I'm just curious, even your family who's perhaps still over in California, is there any sense still in the newer generations, the latest generation of a link back to Ireland or is it kind of getting thinner generation by generation? No, it seems to have increased, I think. (laughs) Uh, Well, when I was a child, we didn't, of course, have the internet. We didn't have didn't have Facebook. But now my day-to-day, week-to-week stories and pictures I'm able to send back and all my family sees them. Mm. And there is such a an outpouring of, I guess, pride 
in the Casey name and more and more stories are coming back from my cousins and relatives. I remember this. I remember this. And I guess now that they have a link, a direct link to the <laughs> to the country, mm-hmm. um, it's really the the pride in Irish things. And and again, you know, having most of them have not been over here. So, you know, really, it's just from stories handed down. Mm. But still, there's that great pride throughout my family of just being descendant of an Irish family is enough. And uh, Ireland, of course, has its own great story. And to at least have it in your family line is is something very much to be proud of. And, and they show that. Mm, very nice. Yeah. So you grew up with that feeling, but... How does that connect us with you living in Ireland? So tell us a bit of the story. When was your first time that you came to Ireland? Well, um, we've only made one previous visit, and that was in April of 2012. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, uh, I was at work, and for years we had planned to come. And I think a lot of people in the States really want to come and they, and they truly they do but it's so easy to let things get in the way mm. and uh, one year we bought a house another year we each bought a new car and it seemed like well Ireland's not going anywhere we'll go next year next year never seemed to come mm. and one day my wife Erin we said you know we should just commit to go and then whatever happens happens but we should commit well Again, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. I was at work. She was home. She was working at home before I was. She sent me an email and she said, okay, it's done. We're not putting it off any longer. I just purchased (laughs) non-refundable tickets for Ireland. We're going in April. (laughs) And uh, of course, I was overjoyed. I was telling everybody at work and it was funny because there were things. Now, this was three, four months in advance. She purchased the tickets. In those months, there were things that came up that had we not been committed would have given us the opportunity to put it off for another year. But having because we committed and said, okay, Mm. whatever happens, happens in Ireland, we are going. Uh, (laughs) We came over and we were only here for 10 days, but it was really 10 of the best days of our lives. And Ireland far exceeded my expectations. And we, we knew we'd be coming back. Hmm. Um, Brian, what was, say, your first impression of your first landing or your first couple of days? <laughs> what was your feeling about Ireland? Uh, well, the people were just so warm and welcoming. And of course, this was initially spent our first couple of days in Dublin before we get, began to move around the country. And yes, I, I know we were tourists. You know, it's Obviously, businesses will give you a warm welcome, but it went beyond that. It wasn't just a, you know, here's somebody we could make money off of. Let's be nice to him. The people were very genuine. Uh, they weren't just giving us polite greetings. They would just sit down and talk to you like they'd known you all their lives and share stories. And we weren't used to that. Uh, we loved it. Oh, we loved it. And and then just walking about the city and as really in any town, in Ireland, whether it's a, a large town or a small one, you can't walk a city block without there being some great story attached to it, something happening there. And the, the histories, there's such a wealth of history here and stories for, you know, it could be a, a seemingly insignificant building, but there's a great story behind it and how it got there and who owned it. And uh, those first few mm. days, we just fell in love. 
Mm. And did you travel around Ireland a bit uh, that trip? Uh, we moved around a bit. We didn't see so many, like we didn't do Blarney Castle and we didn't do a lot of the uh, more well-known places aside from uh, the Cliffs of Moher. We did see that. Beautiful, yeah. But I loved the ancient spots, the stone circles, the standing stones, the places like that, you know, a Drombeg and a Polnabron Dolmen and um, things. We, we drove around, uh, saw the monastery at Clonmacnois and uh, saw as much really as we could in those 10 days. There's only so much you can see. We've been here six months and, and feel we haven't scratched the surface. But for the 10 days, it was a very rich experience. And, uh, you know, I have to touch everything. I go someplace, I have to touch the stones, I touch the walls. And I mean, right here in town, at the top of a hill, just on the outer edge, there's a round tower that was built in the year 900. It's perfectly intact, it's not even crumbling. And you know, it's, if these stones could talk. <laughs> uh, so we moved around, if you cut a line from Dublin straight across the country, we saw a lot that was south of that line on that first visit. And now we're a bit further north here in Mayo, about an hour north of Galway, and finding out all the other uh, wonderful things this country has to offer. Hmm. So. so when you made this trip to Ireland, was there talk of, oh, we could live here, or did that come later? It came later. Hmm. Uh, we left... Our last day here, I wept when we left. I didn't want to leave. And I told my wife, I said, I feel like I'm, I'm leaving home, not going home. And, but really, the thought of actually living here just seemed too far-fetched. It seemed too, too much out of reach. And um, shortly after coming back, I left my daytime job and decided to work full-time online as a proofreader and copy editor. My wife had been doing it for years. And it was in uh, October of 2012 that my yearning for Ireland really grew. And I wanted to come back. I wanted to do more than just visit. And my wife said, uh, well, why don't we just go? And there was this silence, you know, okay. What? She, she said, well, Brian, think about it. We don't have to get work. We don't need a work visa. We're employed in the States. If we have an internet connection, we're at work. Now, we were working from home. You could do that anywhere. So suddenly, just the very thought that this could be a possibility um, began to take root. Mm. And we began searching online for visa options. And uh, initially, I think the default visa is something like 90 days. Mm -hmm. And um, we were hoping to stay longer than that, though we'd take what we could. 90 days and a 10-year-old child, you'd have to come in the summer so you didn't interfere with a school schedule. Mm. But... Um, uh, no, it was, it was afterward. And, uh, really it was coming across some, uh, websites and some blogs of Americans who had moved over to Ireland mm. and seeing an email link, you know, I, I use the phrase, um, where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> I think if you want something badly enough, you'll, you'll find a way. And there was, Hey, if you'd like to contact us, email us at dot, dot, dot. So we started emailing and, I developed some really good friendships that eventually led to phone calls and then to Skype visits, you know, uh, video Skype mm -hmm. visits and actually getting to know people. And over the course of the next few months, uh, we found out our options and uh, we were actually able to come over 
and uh, help out in a small church here in Castle Bar. Mm. And because of that, and we had gotten to know the pastor of the church, and he'd befriended us, and we'd had meetings with him online as well, mm. he extended an invitation to us. And because of that, and because we're actually on the staff, and we are part of the church staff itself, mm. we were able to get a three-year visa. And here we are. Uh, two years ago, I would have never believed it, but we've been here six months now, and uh, we certainly plan to stay every bit of that three years. It's it's renewable after that, so who knows? <laughs> yes, because I was going to ask you, so it's a big jump for anybody to even move for a year somewhere. So what you did was you made a commitment that had a maximum of three years at one time. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be extended, but sure. you basically, you didn't know what the future held after those three years even. Is that correct? That's correct. So that's a big leap of faith, really, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> uh, no, thus far, it's, it's, it's paid off. Mm. It's... Um... Every, every week, every month that goes by, we love it here that much more. Mm. And uh, did you have to deal with schools and that kind of thing? Yes, uh, that was uh, not as difficult. I, there were so many things I worried about that never came to pass. <laughs> oh, um, is your kid uh, learning Irish? He is. He is 10 years old. He's getting high marks in all of his Irish. We have little conversations. You know, he'll, uh, you know, Kentame. You know, he'll, he'll ask me and, uh, you know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, they'll look at the clock and, you know, um, you know, and little, of course, one he uses frequently is, and, <laughs> but uh, little, uh, yeah, little, little conversations there and he will come home with some new nugget every so often. Uh, Dad, do you know what such and such means? No, I don't. Well, it means this. And you can see the pride because now he's teaching me. So. Mm. But yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And what's his name, Brian? His name is Jacob. Jacob. Lovely. Uh, I guess so. Was that uh, Jacob is Anam Do. Mm-hmm. And uh, his classmates took readily to him and, and he to them. His nickname is Texas. You know, they'll say, hey, Texas, come over here, you know. <laughs> And, uh, it, you know, it was funny. He'd been here a few weeks, and he would complain that he had difficulty understanding the other children. Mm, yeah. One day he came home, and he said, you know, it's kind of funny. He said, Dad, the kids are talking more American. <laughs> and I thought for a minute. I said, what? What do you mean? He said, well, they sound more American. I don't have trouble understanding them like when I first got here and I said I said no 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 I said the kids aren't talking American I said your ears are turning Irish (laughs) and what was he was getting in tune with the accent that's excellent yeah so yeah it was funny the way he worded Mm. it the the kids are talking American now but no he's loving it he's having a great time in school oh that's lovely yeah so did you kind of sell up everything or do you have like stuff still in storage back home or uh, we pretty much sold everything. This was a big move for us. We, oh, yeah. we sold our vehicles. We've no house left behind. Were we to go back to the States, we'd be starting over. <laughs> mm. The most important things that we didn't bring with us, you know, for one thing, we weren't entirely sure. You, know, you have to apply for your extended visa once you get here. You can only come over on the 90-day 
and you apply for an extension once you're in the country. Well, we didn't know how that would go. You know, the meeting with the uh, the Garda and um, all the paperwork. And so there were a lot of things we didn't bring, thinking, well, if we have to leave in 90 days, we don't, don't want too much to move. Sure. And we got here, but within the first 10 days after we were here, we'd had all our meetings there at the uh, Garda station, and everything was approved. And the visa went through just fine. And, but those things we left behind are with relatives. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where it is. We literally picked up and moved our life over here. Mm. That's amazing, I have to say. <laughs> and and uh, just not to go into it but um, too much, but with the Irish language, I'm just curious, what brought you to the step of having any interest like, did you know it as a language there was one out there as Gaelic? or Years ago, I would have referred to it as Gaelic, uh, mm. not realizing that's more of a term for the Scottish side of the language as far as an exact term. But back in the day, before there was so much available online, there were some websites that had simple phrases and they would spell them out phonetically. And I was learning things then. I had a friend who was from Cork uh, there in Pensacola. And he would help me with some of my pronunciation. And uh, so there was the audio side. But I guess I was a little frustrated because I would read so many Irish books and histories, even Irish fiction and fictional histories, where they would refer the Irish terms would be written in italics in the book. And I wouldn't know what they meant. The book didn't always give a translation. Mm. And I really wanted to learn it. We came over here to Ireland and there were a number of instances where I heard people speaking it. I'd heard enough online by that time to know the sound of it when I heard it. Mm. And it just, it flowed. It was unbroken. They were having conversations. We were on a bus at the time and this couple in front of us was just talking away and I just fell in love with the sounds. And then we came back. It wasn't too long after I came back. I read uh, Felicity Hayes McCoy's book, the house on an Irish hillside. Oh, excellent. And if we have new listeners, they should go back because we had an interview with Felicity earlier in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the book is, I, I highly recommend it to anyone that has an interest in Irish culture or the Irish language. And the book isn't really about the language. It's the heart and soul of those people there in the uh, the Gweltacht. Mm. And how they live their everyday lives, how they interact with each other as a community. And just that, it just says Ireland. (laughs) And it's such a beautiful story. It's one that I've read and reread. And after reading that, I wanted so much to learn the language. And I told my wife, I said, uh, I really want to enroll in a course. And I've seen this website called Bite Size Irish Gaelic, and it looks like something I could really get a hold of, the small doses, the bite size lessons. And I enrolled and uh, purchased a year, began studying, and suddenly things that I had questions about began to make sense. I began to realize that there are rules to pronunciation, (laughs) and what seems like a jumble of letters is not a jumble at all. With the rules, the sounds make sense. Yeah, definitely. There is logic there. There's logic. I can now look at a, a street sign in Ireland that's in English and Irish, and I can pronounce the Irish words. Uh, I couldn't even do that when I first moved here. <laughs> Brian, you were telling me that you are lucky enough now to have local Irish language classes in Castlebar, don't you? 
And how's that going? Yes, uh, it's going very well. Every Wednesday night, we meet in a classroom, study for an hour and a half. And also, once a week, we have a Karakul um, Kora, have a, a conversation circle. We get together, meet for an hour, and talk as much Irish as we can. There are always a few fluent speakers that come out, and they don't intimidate you. They encourage you, if you can't speak, just sit and listen. It's amazing what you can learn if all you do is listen. But we try to get into the conversations as much as possible, and it not only helps your own uh, skill with the language, it, it puts a hunger in you to learn more. And it's it's really kept me going. But Brian, can't it be a bit frustrating? No, you're listening and just not <laughs> catching words and yes. not being able to follow, for example, the conversation depending on your level, right? It is. Just this last week, there was a woman who said to me, she said, I've been taking Irish for four years. She said, if I had been more dedicated I'd be much further along now than I am. And she's fairly well advanced. Uh, she was having a full conversation with another woman, uh, really with no breaks in the conversation. I was impressed anyway. <laughs> and she said, my, my first few months, uh, off and on during that first year, she said it was difficult. She said there were times I would roll out of bed. I'd look at my notebooks and my notes from class, and I would think, why do I bother? <laughs> and she said, but you know what? I kept at it. And bit by bit, a new rule would, would fall in and click, and another rule would click. And pretty soon, things that were frustrating me made perfect sense. And she said, now I look back at the things that so frustrated me, and I laugh at them because it's second nature now. She said, my advice, and she said this to me, she said, my advice, Brian, is just stay with it. It will pay off. And it was very encouraging. And that's, that's not even in the class. That's at the, the conversation circle that we, we have uh, each week. So. And Brian, the payoff, what's in it for you emotionally to be able to speak a bit of Ireland's native language? Like, what does it mean to you in the end? It's a way of embracing my heritage, unlike anything that I could get from books or movies or even my stories I grew up with as a child. It's, I think that um, a thousand years ago, my Casey's and Carrie were probably speaking it every day. And it's taken this many years for this particular Casey to come back. <laughs> and I feel like I'm embracing a part of them. And that's something that will be part of me. It will be in me. And the dividends, it goes beyond just knowing how to speak in another language. It's part of Ireland. Mm, that's lovely, yeah. Mm. So to go into something more practical, I'm sorry to jump over, but I mentioned um, Janet's question at the beginning of the podcast. So she visited Ireland in 1976 and obviously has a real longing uh, to come back to Ireland and is even considering living there. And I've heard of a lot of people from a lot of people over the years who really have considered moving to Ireland. So, Brian, let's just put yourself in their shoes. They're seriously considering what would it be like to live in Ireland? Like, what would your your next step tips be for them? Uh, well, there can be some big changes coming here to live. For me, 
many of them I expected. I would encourage you to read up on as much as possible. Find out if you really want to be here. There are books. Um, there's one in particular called uh, Culture Shock, Culture Shock Ireland. And it goes into little things you may not know, surprises you'll run into when you come here, little day-to-day things. And get a picture of what's in store for you beyond the maybe the week or two that you may have spent in Ireland as a tourist. Think of living here every day and look at that. And these things aren't necessarily bad things. They're just different. And if having read those type of books, you still want to be here, that's a good thing. That's a good sign. (laughs) And you don't necessarily have to take the big plunge right away, but I would say make the commitment and come over for a month. Stay for a summer. Don't be tied to a sightseeing itinerary. Just live here and just get a feel for the people and the rhythm of wherever you happen to be staying. And if after those 30 days or those 90 days, you are hungry for more, then it's time to look for ways to stay. Mm. Yeah, I like it. And um, obviously our advice is like, don't jump into it. Don't sell the house and wonder three months later what you've done. Exactly. (laughs) And, uh, you know, Ireland has definitely changed. I wasn't alive back then, but uh, I was born in the early 80s. But Ireland has changed a lot, even since my childhood, especially through the late 90s and onwards. Uh, Wow, it's been transformative. You can, I'm sure the history books will look back and point to this phase is one of the phases of Ireland. So what even was back in the 70s could have been very different uh, to how Ireland is now. But, you know, there's little things that, for example, we had flooding here in Limerick City during the winter and uh, people were being rescued by horse and cart out of St. Mary's Park. So some things don't (laughs) change. Exactly. Yeah. And I've seen that as well. And it's to those who, you know, it's uh, I think some Americans have come over and they were disappointed because they expected Ireland to be a, a movie set off of The Quiet Man or Darby O'Gill and the Little People or something. And But really, it's Ireland has whatever you want. It's a fully modern country with modern cities and tall buildings. But if you want the quiet, out of the way little villages, even the ones that have some thatched roof houses and things like that, it's, they're not hard to find. There are so many parts of Ireland that are unchanged, as well as everything that has continued to flow with the rest of the world. Uh, it's got it all. Hmm, interesting. So, uh, Brian, maybe one last little question. Do you foresee yourself and your family being here in many years to come, or how are you approaching it? I see us here for a long time. I keep telling my wife I want to stay for as long as Ireland will have me. (laughs) Each year I intend to go back and renew. I'd love to raise my son here and just let him finish school and grow up here in Ireland. Mm. And we've only lived here half of a year. So uh, I imagine where I'll be a year from now. Sure, there are things I miss from the States, but there are things I can certainly do without. I don't miss them enough to want to go back. And I'm not saying anything negative about the States. It's just there's so much here that I really do love that it it outweighs what I miss from the United States. And we want to make this home. Hey, Brian, let's put it like this, right? Uh, Down in County Galway in Connemara and Cahrurua, Cahrurua. And uh, there's a, like a bar or a, a pub there on Kishton. 
And a local breed Eilish was telling me that that phrase, Ankhishten, which means kitchen, is a kind of a monster phrase. So they would call it Ankhishtenach if it was the local phrase. So it was a family who came in three generations ago to the village and everybody is pretty well knows that they're blow-ins. Yeah. So <laughs> you have a bit to go, yeah. but I'm glad you're enjoying it so far. <laughs> Especially the people in my class. Initially, I was this strange American and nobody knew me. And But as the weeks have gone by and we've grown in the language with each other, the way people have, have opened up and invited me into their homes and we've had little Irish talks. And eventually, I think people see that if you're... You're not just here like you're on a project or you're here to study them. You want to be part of them. And they see that you really enjoy being here and want to embrace the culture. It's amazing how they open up to you and the warmth they show. It's really been wonderful. Excellent. I love to hear that. So um, before we finish up, Brian, uh, there's a couple of things, I just a couple of footnotes I want to add to the podcast. Mm-hmm. One is that we're launching a digital book on bite-sized Irish Gaelic and it's called The Irish Language, Mm -hmm. Your Key to Gaelic Ireland. I want to invite uh, Ah. listeners, um, if you're interested in catching a free copy of the book um, that Audrey and I have worked on, um, be sure to visit this podcast and I'll link it up in the episode footnotes, in the show notes. And um, St. Patrick's Day is coming up just after uh, this recording goes out. So I hope everybody enjoys it. And I do want to mention one last thing. I'm sorry, I missed one episode in our schedule. Our last episode was four weeks ago and it comes usually comes out every two weeks um, Thursday at 7 a.m. EST, Eastern Standard Time. So <laughs> I'm sorry to our listeners that you expect this podcast to come out every two weeks. And that's what I tried to do. So we'll keep at it. I'm sorry for the little hiccups. So, Brian, I just want to say, Gurmila Mahagat. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. It was really nice hearing, really from the heart, I think, what we heard your experience of moving over yet it's very nice to hear the practical side and the common sense side of it too well, i appreciate you having me on it was really nice having you on and i would invite people if they want to if they've got questions for brian to come on over to this episode's page and i'll give you the link soon if we see questions for brian i might just uh, give brian a little email to look at the comments so feel free to ask questions and i'm sure brian can pop by what do you think brian oh absolutely <laughs> excellent so to finish off to leave a comment for brian and for this episode of the bite size irish gaelic podcast you can go to bitesizeirishgaelic.com forward slash podcast. You just need to find episode 15015. If you're loving the show, best thing you can do is go on to iTunes and leave us a written five star review. And you can send in listener questions. Um, they'll go into my inbox directly. And the email is podcast at bitesizeirishgaelic.com. Uh, thanks to Tsukumo in Japan for their music which you hear on this episode under a Creative Commons license. And until the next episode, Slán Gafoel. Bye for now.